Hello, Grit Man, Grit Women, Grit Man here, and welcome to the Grit Man Show, where we believe it's all right to be a man and the world could use more grit. Please note this show is being recorded without a mask for quality and training purposes. Not sure about y'all, but here in Houston, we still got folks that drive around town by themselves in a car with a mask on. And I look over and I'm wondering what the heck they're doing, which I don't care if you wear a mask, knock yourself out. Just seems strange that you're wearing a mask in a car by yourself. So that disclaimer's for you. Welcome to this episode. And thank you for listening. If you've listened to some of our previous episodes, uh, you're starting to maybe understand what the the show's about and what we stand for. If you haven't, episode one kind of gives a little backstory. But I'm my nickname's the Grit Man, and I've created the show. But it's not about me. It's about developing grit and spreading grit and creating more men of grit and collectively being the grit men and and growing our herd. And when we talk about grit, we're talking about resiliency and fortitude and toughness and metal and hustle and not complaining and figuring out a way to win doing the best with your situation just sucking it up and um, I think we need more of that in the world we need our we need that being taught to our children in our schools and we need to represent represent that in our businesses as well so today's guest is Ronnie Van Clark and I was introduced to him and didn't know much about his story and man it's an amazing story and one you have to hear to believe and I met with him earlier this week, and he said some things that just got me thinking. And he talked about Christmas, and you'll hear him talk about Christmas at the end of this interview. And it made me realize that I've overlooked a lot of things about Christmas. Um, and after that, later this week, I'm, I'm going to transition here. I went to the First Baptist Christmas program that my little sister's in and went to support her. As I sat there, I started daydreaming. I realized this is going to be my 40th Christmas and somehow the commercialization and pageantry has gotten in the way of the grit. And let me explain. I mean, it's a gritty story. And I thought about how we've got, now we have Santa Claus and elves and reindeer with red noses and singing snowman. That's a long way from a little baby in a manger. And common people that walked 90 miles and had the responsibility and took responsibility and probably faced ridicule and shame and I'm sure they were tired and I'm sure they wanted to quit and they wanted to complain but they kept going and so this Christmas I'm going to focus on the grit principles and and find the grit in the story and I got to thinking there's a there's a couple of parts of the story that are missing uh, I don't I've never seen a transcript of when Joseph and Mary discussed how Mary was pregnant without his child. I mean, how did Mary tell him? Did she tell him right away? Did she wait a few weeks? Did she go see him in his carpenter shop and offer him a glass of wine and say, Hey, Joseph, sit down. We got something serious we got to talk about. You're going to need to go ahead and drink a little wine first. But I'm pregnant, and it's not your baby. And uh, But don't worry, it's God's. I wonder how he reacted to that. I can only imagine. I bet he was confused, probably mad. Maybe he started feeling sorry for himself. And poor Joseph can't catch a break. I mean, I got supply chain issues. Can't get my cabinets made. I don't got any power tools. And now I got my fiance that's pregnant with another dude's baby. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it happened, but maybe. And I bet he was mad. Maybe he was going to leave her. But God sent an angel in his dream. And as I'm sitting there thinking about this, I'm like, 
I don't think he sent white-robed, like, flappy-winged nice angel. I think he probably sent Navy SEAL angel to Joseph because this was a critical mission, and he, he realized that Joseph had to play an important part if and he wasn't in on this. There could be problems in God's plan. And so Navy SEAL angel probably said, Joseph, Mary's telling you the truth. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get your chin up. You're going to take her now. You're going to be her husband. You're going to love her. You're going to go to Bethlehem, and you're going to be a dad. And by the way, when you uh, get to the end and there's no room in the end, don't complain. Figure it out. I don't know. It's possible. That could have happened. I think there's parts of the story we don't know, so I'm going to create my own grit version of Christmas this year. I encourage you to do so also. We got Coach Graham in Episode 1 that said, however the weather is, that's just how we like it. So however the stable is, that's just how we like it. Also had the shepherds. Interesting. Never really analyzed them, but God sent an angel to them too. Not sure if it was Navy SEAL Gabriel or just regular Gabriel. But said, you know, go in haste and go see that Jesus is born. And never thought, why did he choose the shepherds to be the first one? But as I thought about it, there were probably just some common people that were trustworthy, told the truth, worked hard. And so there were probably some gritty shepherds, part of the story. But as you go through Christmas, find your own grit version. Uh, the principles we talk about, hard work, tradition, not quitting, being resilient, dealing the hand, playing the hand you're dealt. And I think there's a lot of those principles in there. I'd like to take a moment now to recognize our sponsor of this show. Really excited to have a sponsor come on board, Pumps of Houston. If you're in the wastewater or water or stormwater business, you're an engineer or a plumber or a contractor, get to know Pumps of Houston. The company's been around over 60 years. They're a grit company. They stand for the things we talk about, treating people right, taking care of their employees. If there's a problem, let's address it. Uh, they're just a good company, and we're glad to have them sponsor this show, Pumps of Houston. Thank you. All right, our guest is Ronnie Van Clark, and I sat down with him, and man, it's a powerful interview. I think you're going to like it. There's a lot in here. You may need to just hit pause sometime and write a few of his sayings down. You'll learn that Ronnie's going to talk about his tragedy and the pain he had to go through, and he didn't ask for it, but he dealt with it, and he has the most positive outlook I've ever seen. You know, he lost his dad when he was eight. He lost his, or his mom had an aneurysm when few years later he got in a car wreck himself and lost his leg or lost a couple inches off his leg that meant he couldn't play sports or be the football player that he wanted to be and then tragically his mom passed away at 17 had a stroke on Christmas Eve and he was left with him and his four brothers and they tried to separate him but he convinced the judge that hey I can raise him don't don't uh, separate us we need to stay together we've been through a lot Ronnie went on to be a coach, but it makes sense now. He started being a coach to his brothers and having purpose and doing things the right way and sticking together and teamwork. It's no surprise that he went on to be a successful coach in high school, in college, in the pros. Now he's just a powerful speaker. He's got a great message. He's a man of grit. Get to the end, and he also is going to, I think, change your perspective on Christmas. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have a Merry Christmas and get out there and find your grit. 
Thank you. Guys, he's a lot like Nails. He plays like Nails. He's tough as Nails. He likes to call himself a grit man, whatever that means. Quit with my daddy. Guess I didn't make the time. And it's been a year since I've seen a deer at a small mouth on the line. Ronnie, welcome to the Gritman Show. Thank you for being here today. I'm going to ask you to do a couple things I know you're normally not comfortable with. One, talk about yourself. And two, relive a little tragedy with us because it's an important message, an important part of your story. So thank you for coming on the show. Chris, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I hope that my message is going to be something that people can uh, find great value in and uh, and then share with other people uh, and Everybody becomes stronger and better because of it. But thank you for having me. Well, let's go back to the beginning. You were raised in a small Texas town. Tell me about being born and raised in Flatonia, Texas. Well, uh, thank you, Chris, and I will start that. Uh, I want to do a deal that I do with a lot of, when I do a lot of these talks, and that is uh, a little deal I've talked to everybody about starting the day. Uh, one of the things I tell people about is make sure that you have a purpose to live for, a self to live with, and a faith to live by. Uh, and of course, faith is belief without proof. Uh, but I always start and saying, when you wake up in the day, make sure that you start it with some kind of, you know, again, what's your purpose? And one of the things I like to use a, a little deal, and that is, uh, this is the beginning of a new day. God has given us this day to do with as we will. Today's extremely important for we're exchanging the whole day of our life for it. Uh, when tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever, leaving in its place that which we traded. We want it to be gain, not lost, good, not evil, success, not failure. We don't ever want to regret the price we paid for it because the future is a whole string of nows. And I think what that does is bring people together. And again, that's one of the messages I want to expand on here is have a purpose, you know, and, and make when you say ask yourself if you have a purpose, you, you for, you're forcing yourself to reflect. You're forcing yourself to say, OK, what am I doing? What what am, where what is what is my goal today? Uh, what am I looking forward to? And that's why I say self to live with. Again, it's one of those things that, that, again, we'll talk about a little bit more in the program. But uh, like I said, one of the things, uh, again, I had a unique upbringing. Uh, one of the things I always like to make sure that this comes out of it is uh, don't ever use the word problem in your vocabulary. Insert the word challenge. Uh, I'm very blessed to be in a in coaching world and been around athletes. And everybody, when you hear challenge, uh, it's kind of like the old deal. Everybody thinks they can play basketball. You know, I don't care who they are. But, you know, if you, you know, you got to take them out on the court, they think they can play. Well, they, they you know, they probably can't. But you've challenged them. And uh, that's the key. You know, if you if your alarm doesn't go off, it was a challenge. You know, if you didn't go out on a test, that's a challenge. It, how's things going in your company right now? Or you have, or you have, how are your employees morale? What's happening with you? Uh, what are your challenges right now? And then what is going to, again, how are you going to be a leader uh, and, and help them get better? And I, I was blessed to be a coach. And one thing I learned about leadership, uh, and again, maybe through my plight of growing up, is when you're a leader, you're a servant. And to be a great leader, you have to be a servant. And that's a key. And that's one of the things that I, I hope to expand upon in this also as we come forth. Like I said, what I'll try desperately to do in this, in this uh, podcast is make sure that we, uh, we talk about things that I think people can find find uh, an outline with or an inst or something to institute in their life and make them better. But now I was born in a small town of Flatonia, Texas, uh, blink your eye, you missed it town on I-10. Uh, you know, we kind of live so far in the country, went towards town to hunt, you know, kind of that deal. We were we out there a ways. Uh, when I was eight, I'm the oldest of five brothers. My father passed away in a car accident. Uh, so it was the first challenge at that point in time. Uh, by the time I was in the eighth grade, my mother had had an aneurysm. 
and at that time she lost her speech and a lot of her mobility and she was challenged in many different ways uh but she was uh, here she was with five young young sons and we were moving forward that summer i wind up be being in a car accident and broke my ankle uh to date i've had 23 different surgeries on this ankle uh, but I still, as I smile like a butcher's dog, I still have the ankle. And so, again, blessed. And I think that's what the biggest thing everybody's got to look at is, you know, what are the positives? What, what are the good things that are happening to you? You know, and don't accentuate on negatives, you know. Uh, but then we move forward, and uh, my mom's going through, you know, just uh, her challenges, and we're going as young, as young uh, people growing up. The city, the city of Flatonia embraced us. Uh, you know, we were lucky. My mom when we were very young would have us, we were Catholic, we had to go to church almost every day and we were altar boys and all that. And what a kind of an eye reading thing was, uh, she got upset with me and my mom when I wouldn't go be a reader in church. And I said, I just don't want to be in front of people. Later, not knowing that I was going to wind up being in front of people for the rest of my life. And it's just, you'd want to tell people, you never know what, what's in store for you. And again, that's again, but keep having faith. You know, it's the, the adage I talk about, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. So keep strong belief and, you know, keep faith in, 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 in God and then keep faith in yourself and then people around you and make sure, again, you're associating yourself with the right people. And that's that's a huge that's a huge part of your success. But my mom then wound up having uh, uh, she wound up dying Christmas Eve night, my senior year. And I was 17 at the time. Of course, my brothers are all younger. So there was a big challenge. And uh, at that point in time, uh, we were destined to probably be pulled apart, uh, you know, sent different ways. Uh, I turned 18 in January uh, of that next, you know, obviously less than a month later. And we were blessed with a gentleman named Dan Beck in LaGrange was the county judge. And he said, look, what we'll try to do is keep everybody together. Uh, Ronnie being the oldest uh, can take some of the deal guardianship, but my grandmother who was in town would be part of it. And another lady named Annie Joe Krisky would be part of it. And so we had mentors, you know, or people that were older. My aunt lived in Schulenburg and my grandmother lived in town. So we started our, I'd say our journey at that point in time. And biggest thing then was, as I've said many times over, I didn't raise my brothers. We raised each other. But the thing I did do was make sound decisions, make smart decisions. Uh, you know, I talk to my athletes sometimes about, hey, don't embarrass your family. You know, don't embarrass us. Don't embarrass the, anybody that you're associated with. And, uh, you know, so what I my biggest attribute was at that time was making smart decisions. Just don't do anything that's going to be detrimental to, to the, my brothers and make, and make sure the decisions I made were something they could follow and they would be constructive. And uh, I had a, a coach named Curtis Etzel at the time, was an old Marine sergeant that was really hard on me at the time. Uh, used to, we, they swing the board in the old days and uh, he, ma and he uh, made good use of it with me and um, thank God he did because he, he kept me straight and kept me in line. Swung the board, is that the paddle? The paddle, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, that, was, that was a blessing because he, he kept me in line. And because I, you know, there was nobody else to mentor me at that point in time. And, uh, and you know, it was the great things. He knew I wasn't a very good athlete, but he, again, he didn't, it was big thing was you can be a good person. Uh, and I, and there were some, we had some other good coaches at that time. And I, I kind of leaned back on that. As I said, I don't know if they were the best coaches, but they were good men. They were good fight. They had good fiber and they were, and they were building character in people. And so to the day, I talk about this a lot. And I call it a chain of success. And this is what I believe in is you have character, you have class, you have courage, you have commitment, you have conviction, and but you have consistency because consistency is better than greatness. Are you consistent? 
and I'll expand on that in a little bit. But I define everything. Character is what you do in the dark. Character is what you do when nobody's around. Class is how you represent your family name. Uh, class is how you represent a team that you're on. Class is how you represent anybody that you respect and that is, and is a caregiver and helping you. Uh, courage is uh, the art of meeting a failure without being defeated. And having faith, again, as I said, which is belief without proof. Uh, commitment is a dream with a deadline. Because, uh, you know, intentions are like eggs. They'll spoil if you don't, if, you know, if they're not hatched. you got to make sure that you're acting upon something actively. And, again, I go back to having a purpose. Uh, and then conviction is simply saying I can culminate these. I'm going to fight peer pressure. I'm going to fight everything around me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the conviction, the courage of my convictions. Now, the key is consistency. And so I try to talk to them about let's be like doctors and lawyers. Doctors and lawyers practice. You, hey, doctors practice medicine. Lawyers practice law. So let's practice our, our chain of success. Let's, every day, let's practice our faith. Let's practice our chain of success. Let's practice these things and let's put them into use uh, so that they're not just some, some idle deal. Uh, I talk about having pride in yourself. And then I define pride uh, is pride is Personally, taking each one of the letters, pride is personally responsible for my individual dedication, drive, desire, execution, energy, enthusiasm, uh, and uh, execution. And I think all those things, again, they, they, they apply, but, you know, like I said, I, I look now at a lot of people that are coaches of these, and they talk, they're out coaching. And I see this on the Internet, and I'm going – they're all coaching, but what have they coached, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but they're, and they're talking to these people, but well, that's fine. I mean, I'm not saying they don't have a strong deal, but if you've been in, been in, the, been in the fire, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's exciting. That's why things like this are, are really exciting for me. Uh, because, again, you feel like my purpose right now, I think, is to be a great, a great husband, a great father, uh, and to share any kind of message or any kind of, of enthusiasm or, excuse me, motivation that I can with people around me. And uh, I think those things are vital. Uh, you know, I wind up going, uh, wind up going to Blinn Junior College. Uh, you know, I, I was cut from the football team. I mean, I was horrible first day. I mean, I, well, I was cut before I even went out there. And so it was one of those where, uh, you know, like I said, but I went out and I didn't think about going to college till again, this guy Curtis Essel told me about, hey, why don't you try to go to college? Or why don't you try this? And so I did. And that was the first good decision, or one of the better decisions I made, because then my, my brothers followed suit. And, uh, you know, we were all we all had the ability to go. We just never thought about it, you know, at that point in time. And, you were, and until you again, you know, God will, will lead you in paths that you don't know sometimes. And uh, we you know, that's just the way, you know, you just have to trust in him. And as, as you go as again, back to the faith deal. Uh, but so I wound up going. And then as, as I went on from there. Uh, you know, I had a guy in college talk to me about I ought to be a coach. And I said, I don't think you understand, man. I, I was I was an awful player at everything I did. I mean, I couldn't play dead in a war movie. Uh, and I, as I said, I don't know if I – well, I didn't expand on it. I did expand on having a car accident when I was in the eighth grade uh, and having the surgeries on my foot. I said, man, I couldn't play. He goes, that's not what coaching's about. Coaching's about mentoring. Coaching's about guiding. Coaching's about leadership. And that's, again, when I started to identify – with the deal of term of leadership and understanding what that was about. And I, and I little did I know that the, again, what I said, my brothers raised each other. We, we were there for each other. Uh, I was making smart decisions. Well, that's what you hope you're doing when you're, when you're coaching. That's what you're hoping when you're mentoring. That's when you're hoping when you're being a leader is you're being a servant, you're making intelligent decisions. Uh, you're listening because if you want to be a great communicator and I have a hard time with this, as you can tell from the way I'm talking, uh, the great communicators are great listeners. 
And if you're not going to listen, then you're not a good, very good communicator. And again, I've, I've learned that over the years. But then that's the thing about it is, can you reflect? Can you, can you go back no different than we did when we were in athletics and we go back over a game and we'd say, hey, what, what could we have done better? Uh, even when I do one of these, I was very blessed to talk to a good friend of mine the other night uh, who was in coaching for a long, long time. And uh, he said, you know, are you are are you hearing what you're saying? You're hearing what you're saying, but are the listeners hearing what you're saying? And are you reflecting? Are you writing down your your thoughts? Are you are you thinking about what you're saying? And I said, well, I've done this a long time. He goes, you know, it doesn't mean necessarily you're doing it the correct way and you're getting the message across. And so I think one of the things I've been guilty of is number one, talking fast, but maybe talking and trying to get too much message into something. But uh, like I said, that was kind of the deal that got me into started into coaching. And uh, that's uh, the, the, the challenges of the, of the start of the beginning, I guess mm-hmm. you would say. Well, go back with me a little to your childhood. And after dad passed away and then mom had the aneurysm, did you start working? Did you and your brothers get jobs? And, and then as you got older, I imagine you took work whatever you could get. And, and that was what you had to do to provide and take care of your brothers. There was no doubt. We, we passed jobs down. We were The city of Flatonia, again, wrapped us around, uh, their arms around us. They really did. Uh, one of the jobs I started out with and was handed down to everybody is we would get up early in the morning. You got up at 530 because we'd go to mass at 630. And you carry out the trash and sweep out the post office. You know, that was an easy job or that was one of the jobs that was given to us. Uh, you know, obviously when people needed, you know, hay hauled or fences built or somebody, well, let's call the Van Clark boys. You know, there's a tribe of them. Let's get them all out here you know and then uh you know i wound up working at a place called grumpy's restaurant you know which was a, a 24-hour truck stop there and a couple of my brothers wound up working there uh the owner of that was mr joe grive he employed us uh at, at that time he employed all my brothers and i in different jobs uh you know we we were very blessed like i said the people uh you know, engulfed us. You know, there were there were people bringing meals to the house for us. There were there were people that were doing several. Th- I mean, multitudes of things to help us out. You know, so uh, and again, all we had to do was just make sure that we were doing the right thing. You know, that we were trying to to again live by the, what I call now my chain of success, and that was handling yourself with with you know with pride and and having character and and having class, and then and of course when adversity hit, you know, having courage, and then have the commitment to saying, hey, we've got to do the right thing. And then, you know, like I say, conviction is of making sure, again, that you're doing everything you can. And that's that's really in respect for the people that are that are extending their hand to you and helping you. Mm-hmm. And that's what you hope young people are doing now and understanding that teachers are giving of themselves to help you. You know, coaches, teachers, there's many people that are trying to help you. Uh, are you extending them that that respect that they're due? Uh, but, yeah, we, we worked our way through, you know, just like a lot of people do. You know, again, back in, in – in, I always talk about in the day, but it would, you, people worked harder a lot back then, you know. And, uh, we did, you know, you didn't expect. You, you, you thought you've got to earn it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so – Well, what happened? So you went to Blend Junior College for one or two years? One year. Okay. And then you transferred and went to Texas State in San Marcos. Yes. Your brothers were still at home, you being the oldest. Right. Who cared after them, or did you come home on the weekends? How did that work? Well, I came home on the weekends, but again, as I as I'd said before, they everybody became pretty self sufficient. You know, I mean, everybody started to learn that you know there wasn't anybody to lean on, if you know what I mean. Uh, again, we just we worked hard to, to keep the lights on. Uh, worked hard to, you know, my grandmother passed away. I guess it was about two years after my mom, uh, and then you know my aunt who was raising her own family in Schulenburg, 
uh, was there, but that we, we we were still allowed to stay together because again we were being watched, obviously, and you know, hey, this is working. This they're 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 doing a good job. They're not putting and like I said, we if we were doing the right things, people were helping us, uh, you know. But each time, you know, we, you know, again, I would come back, but I was actually coming back to work, if you know what I mean, to work at the truck stop and work there. I did a lot of jobs in college, like a lot of guys did. You know, uh, one of the big things that I did, the hardest work I ever did, was. Uh, you roofed houses, but the reason that worked out a lot was because you worked kind of early in the morning, late in the evening, you know, and then you could still go to class. And uh, but and then you just set a tone, you know, everybody expected, you know, like I said, you made good decisions. and Your brothers kind of followed suit and said, hey, we've all got to we've all got to do our part, you know, to make sure that we that we stay together. And, and that uh, I kind of described it like being like ants, you know, where one is everybody's got to be and you got to rally together. And, you know, there's there's going to be challenges, if you know. And like I said, so much of this stuff. Uh, at that time, I didn't even know what was happening until, again, when it started to apply to me getting into coaching and things, I, I just it just made sense. It, it really did, and you talk to your team about that. And just there's a part of having a chemistry and a communication. And again, like I said, that hard part of communication is listening, and that was that's always been a challenge for me, you know. But uh, I don't know it's uh, it worked out in a lot of good ways for us, though. Your dad passed away when you were eight. Did you have a, a grandfather or an uncle or a buddy's dad that was an important male influence in your life? I did. Uh, my, my, my grandfather, my dad's dad, uh, he passed away when I was 13, as I remember. Uh, I remember he was, he was really something, a gentleman, but he had told me something one time that he said, you know, you're going to be blessed at the end of your life if you have five friends. You have four brothers, but I don't mean they're going to be your friends. He said, you've got to earn friendship. You have to earn respect. Uh, he used to talk, I, I think about him almost daily because he goes, there's going to come a time when y'all pay for water. <laughs> I think about it now as we buy water in the stores. He was an old man. Again, I was 13 at that time. He, and, you know, uh, and then he talked to me about uh, the biggest thing was he said, you know, you go to church. He said, everybody gets dressed up, but he said something, and he said, best thing you can do is treat people like you want to be treated. And I've, I've used that. For, I've always said that's a key to success. Uh, you know, you won't lie to them. You won't steal from them, you know, just if you think about it. And, and you know, and then live your life. You know, don't worry about what they're doing. You know, take care of your business. And, and all these things, those little cliches that you hear, but, again, here's the thing. You're hearing them, but are you, are you applying them? Are you are you practicing them? You know, and that's the biggest thing I've learned now is I talk about in this message, you know, consistency being better than greatness. You've got you've got some principles. You've got some guidelines. Are you practicing them? Are you living by them? Are you living your faith or is it something you do on Sundays? Uh, You know, and again, I use the analogy so people can put it together is. That's what lawyers do. They practice law. That's what doctors do. They practice medicine. That's what you should be doing is practicing your faith and living it. Or, or other than, than that, I mean, that's what we did in athletics. There wasn't a day to go by you didn't practice. There wasn't any time of the year that you weren't preparing. So that's what we should be doing for in our lives is preparing ourselves. And uh, that's what I like to say. Hopefully I'm I getting as if I'm doing these talks is hopefully I'm getting better at delivering a message. Hopefully I'm getting better at, at, at enlightening somebody that giving them something that they can hang their hat on, something they can find some some fiber in, you know, or, or just anything that you're talking about. Uh, I talk to young people now about, uh, like I said, at that point in time, that Curtis Etzel was a guy that he told me, he said, hey, look, if you're not man enough to be a leader for the for your brothers, you need you need to hit the bricks. And I didn't. I just I thought man, the audacity of this guy. But he said, no, you there, it's it's there, you got to be a leader and you got to go by example. And if you can't do it, 
then you need to step aside and you and you start learning that you know about and then then a deal right now like i said have a purpose have a faith to live by have a self to live with when you talk about that one of the things i like to talk to people about is with the boy you were be proud of the man you are now when you were three four five six seven eight looking at yourself now would you would you want to emulate yourself after what you are now? And that's a reflective statement. It's again, it's talking about purpose. You know, with the boy you were, be proud of the man you are. And then my sons don't like this statement at all because they heard it too many times. Is how you do anything is how you do everything. You know, if I can't depend on you to do a small thing right, then I can't depend on you to do a big thing right. And how you do anything is how you do everything. And uh, my, my sons hated that because growing up it was like, you're going to make your bed. You know, and if I find out you didn't make your bed and, you know, I come home and, and you've got my girlfriend's mad, well, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to work very well. And obviously I was talking about my wife, but it was, uh, and they, they wind up hearing a, a, a talk to a University of Texas, a military, uh, uh, one of the, one of these huge generals, you know, four star, five star. And he talked about in the military that the biggest thing they do was made their bed every day because you did something positive. And it was just funny how my, my son's, looked at me and were kind of like, wow, dad, that was, that was something you were talking about since day one. And I said, yeah, it's, it's always start your day again, back with a purpose and start with something positive uh, and, and accept the challenges that are going to be with it. One of the problems I think we have in America is people having kids and not raising them uh, or dads not being present in their lives. A lot of single moms. You were the exception, I believe, but you had every chance, you and your brothers, to get into drugs or to get on the wrong path. But somehow you made a choice to choose the right path. Where did that come from? And can you speak to maybe the issue I brought up about parenting? Yes, sir. I, I think at that time, again, my mom laid a foundation of, of faith. Uh, we, like I said, we, we, we were going to church every day, as, as you know, and we were like, Mom, nobody else does this. Well, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things, you know, I'm not worried about, they're not eating at this table, you know, kind of deal. I used to tell my sons that. My, my sons would tell me certain, you know, hey, Dad, you know, there's certain disciplinary things you do with us that not everybody's doing. I said, yeah, you don't see any of them eating at this table either, do you, buddy? Uh, the, the biggest thing was, you know, it, is making tough decisions. And as I said, having the courage of your convictions. And I think now being a being a parent again is 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 one of those things and or being any type of leader is you got to make tough decisions you're not going to be popular i mean because again young people are not going to see it and and you can't expect them to see it that's why they're young they don't, they haven't been through the fires they haven't seen all that like i said that's why i think these what you're doing right now is so imperative so vital that there's messages being sent to these young people i was talking about this god's listening to you i heard this in an fca deal one time he's talking to you every day if you're listening and the guy used the analogy you know you sometimes you see a penny on the ground and people just walk by it. And if you pick it up, it says on, on that penny, and God we trust. Is he, is he talking to you? Is he sending you a message today? Uh, you know, is there being, there's, are there things being presented to you, but you're not adhering to them? And like I said, I think right now the, the deal of the parenting, people look too much for what, what, you know, why I can't instead of why I can't. Instead of, and then as a parent, well, you don't understand. I, this, no, I do understand. Here's the challenge. Here's here's what we the challenge we've got to meet. Now I keep using that word challenge, because they'll say, well the problem is no 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 no. There's not a problem. There's a challenge, and that challenge is, I'm going to have to be more organized. I'm going to have I'm going to have to be more structured. That's the way I define discipline. See, discipline is a negative word, and it can't be. Discipline is structure and organization, 
structure and organization, and the courage or conviction to live within it. Okay, define that for me, Coach. Okay, uh, discipline is driving in your lane, stopping at a stop sign, stopping at a red light, not passing on a lane. You don't break those laws, do you? Well, no, but that's discipline. That's discipline, okay? You, you, that's discipline, but you don't look at it that way. You look at discipline when somebody tells you, hey, you've got to be on time. You've got to be, it's like when I came here today. I mean, there's nothing that would upset me more than being late to a meeting. And, you know, and that, because that's a reflection of how, you know, you can't do that. How you do anything is how you do everything. And you keep going back to those things. If you can make them a part of your everyday vocabulary and a part of what you're doing, you're practicing them. And that's why right now with, with parents, they want to find out, uh, you know, well, there's, all, there's a ton of labels out there right now, and I sure don't want to get into all that. But instead of saying, no, this is what you got to do, and this is how you got to do it, and this is how you consistently have to do it. And consistency, again, is better than greatness. You can be a great player in any sport, but if you're not consistent, then, then can the team depend on you? I mean, can, who can depend on you? And, that's, and being a parent, Man, that, that's 24-7, 365. And, and that's what I don't think people want to understand nowadays. And uh, I've been blessed. I've got two sons. And, again, I've been very blessed. Uh, you know, I've, I've been married 26 years. Uh, you know, I, got, I didn't get married until I was 38. I was way too young, but I did it anyway, and it, it worked out all right. <laughs> so I think one of the reasons I didn't get married very early was I knew what it was to raise a family or, or be a family, and I knew what the, the things that had to come into place. And – you know, kind of growing up, I think each one of my brothers, we got married a little later. And I think that was something we realized how important that commitment was going to be, uh, especially when you had kids. And you learn those lessons. And, and like I said, all my brothers are, you know, two of them are, uh, one has been a, a career ag teacher for 35 years. One's been a career football coach for 34 years. Uh, one of my brothers is, uh, he did several things. He was a, uh, everything from worked with the DPS to working in, uh, in, uh, as child protective services to being a, you know, mentor to people. And then my youngest, uh, uh, brother has, has worked it he's been everything from a pilot all the way down you know so we've been very lucky and very blessed but again i think we you learned about work ethic and you learned about consistency at those points in, in the times and uh that's what i think parenting has got to be understood it's it's got to you know you're going to make some tough decisions and and it's not going to be always pleasant and that's the that's within the hard part of it and especially when you and i can understand what you're going through because you got to work two jobs you got to work three jobs uh but you've got to lay some some principles down for them and so that they can have again a guideline or an under, a way to to know that this is this is the process and we talked about we always talk about that in athletics trust the process trust the process and so the process again has got to be Again, I, my label is, again, the chain of success. And then, again, you know, with the boy you were, be proud of the man you are. And, again, how you do anything is how you do everything. But the things that, again, I'm, I'm saying, there's other people that are saying them in greater ways or different ways. But make them part of your daily, make them part of what you're doing, and, again, practice them. But the parenting deal right now, is, as you and I have talked about, it, it's, it's a challenge that, that really, really, really needs attention. <laughs> It's the most important job, I think, yes, sir. is raising our kids. In my research for this talk, I, I read a few articles on you, and, and one of the things that I read was that you hate the question or used to hate the question, what's for dinner? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you explain that? Yeah, I get a little emotional on that one. Uh, well, you know, at the time, like I said, uh, we were very lucky that uh, – 
the the city of Platonia, uh, the, there were men, there were families in Platonia that started. They would they would bring us meals, literally, and we just we just didn't. Uh, you know, first of all, we had to learn how to cook. Now now we're all expert cooks. You know, you can't get us in the kitchen. But at that time, we weren't cooking, and we were young, and man, it was like, what do we what do we got? What's for dinner? And I'm I'm like I. I don't know. I don't really have an answer for that right now. And that, that just, it, it just grated on me uh, because they're just. Your brothers would ask yeah, you what's yeah. for dinner. Yeah. That's that just what, what was for dinner. And then I went away and my younger brothers, I give, I say they're the heroes because they lived it longer than I did. You know, I, I went on to college, got jobs, got in, but my younger brothers, they were the ones that, that kept living the, the, the the challenge you know and again you can call it all kind of things you can call it my problems a nightmare you can call these but again i go back to challenge why i'm gonna let's keep being positive about it even though there was there was not a whole lot to be positive about but yeah that one is just it because it, they're just they just uh you know i knew there wasn't a whole lot it was it was like christmas you know where you know you were sitting there and in you know, I did a deal when I was with the Buffalo Bills outside the lines, and they talked about Christmas. I said it was tough. It was tough in times because this was a holiday when everybody was giving and gifts were coming in, and I was like, and we all knew there there wasn't anything coming in. There there is there's no more than we had in November, October, September, August. I mean, it's a holiday month, but what's well, there's no more money. There's no more anything. Uh, so there ain't like there's going to be a whole lot of celebrating of gifts or giving uh and at that time you're together uh but you're you know you're you're working i mean i mean you're you're your challenge is to to do the best you can for yourself and the, and the guys around you you know what i mean so yeah those that that always has to, you know been a been a striking uh you know it's a touchy deal i guess you would say with me no doubt so after graduating from college you got the opportunity to become a football coach I believe your first job was being a junior high coach. Can, it was. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I went to Hill Country Middle School in Westlake. Uh, I was very lucky at that time uh, to be involved uh, with a, a guy named uh, Wally Freitag at, at, at Austin Reagan High School, and he offered me a job at Burnett Junior High. And I thought, wow, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a high school coach, you know. And then he said, so I went with a good friend of mine uh, and a guy named um, – uh, today, a lot of people know this gentleman, uh, Tim Buchanan, who's won state championship after state championship, and uh, Mark Cunningham. And we went to Clean. We were going to go to Clean Ellison High School. And, uh, man, we were going to be high school coaches with a guy named John Baseda. And, uh, you know, wound up, Tim wound up going, I think, being a junior high coach there in, in Clean. And I wound up coming back. And, and Wally was trying to tell me, he said, he made some calls. And he said, what you need to understand is uh, you're not going to circumvent this. You're going to start at the bottom. You're going to work your way up. And that's, again, was, that was the old school way of doing it. And back then, we coached on both sides of the ball. He said, now, I'll tell you a place that's, that's an up-and-coming place is, is Westlake outside of town here. And you and I did my student teaching at Hill Country Middle School. And so I went to I went up going there. Went up running across one of the greatest mentors I had. The stadium's named after him today, and that's Ebby Neptune. And the reason I bring that up is Ebby Neptune – pulled me over and asked, told me, he said, what do you coach? And I told him, well, I didn't know. He asked me where I played. I told him Flatonia. He said, well, that was six-man ball. And I said, no, it was 1A ball, but, you know, about the same thing. Uh, he said, well, let me just tell you something, son. You'd be a great offensive line coach and you'd be a great secondary coach. And he said, you'll always have a job. 
and greatest thing I ever, you know, was told as a young coach. And then he said, you get back there with the gentleman in the back in the secondary, because we coached back there, and learn that part of the football, and, and you'll be great, and you stick on the offensive line with me. Well, that secondary coach back in that day was Gary Joseph at Westlake High School back then when I started as a junior high coach, who's now, you know, known all over, because uh, he's a great football coach, and he's a great mentor, and he, and, and that was that was Gary's strength. And it's Gary at Katie High School Gary's now? Gary's at Katie. He has a okay. brother who's the head coach at uh, Alding Westfield, uh, Scott. And their whole family has been nothing but mentors and nothing but, but guys of, of, of all the things that I talk about. When I built that, when I started putting my chain of success together, it was based on gentlemen that I'd, I'd grown up with and watched and listened to the things they preached and they talked and they lived or tried to live it every day. And so I was lucky. The stadium's now named after Abby Neptune, you know, but I was very lucky at that time to be to associated with him. And then I wound up coming to Spring Branch here in Houston, uh, which there is no more Spring Branch Bears or Spring Branch High School, and went on from there to a place called Westlake. Uh, but what I actually – when I kind of was able to establish something, uh, we would call it networking now, was when the Houston Gamblers were going on, I would kind of be out in that environment and meeting, you know, the, some of the guys that, you know, Coach Party was the head coach who I didn't have much association with, but met a lot of the guys on that staff, like John Jenkins, like Bob Young, like Jim Eddy, like there was just a group of guys. And little did you know, four maybe four years later, he'd wind up being the head coach at, at the University of Houston. And so I went up coming and saying, hey, coach, I'd like a chance to, you know, be a college coach. And Coach Party said, I don't have nothing. And I said, well, nothing will do. And I said, I just can I get some clothes? And if I can get some clothes, I'm good. So I was there, the, then the defense coordinator at Clean High School, because uh, and, and, uh, I'd left Marble Falls with the guy Bobby Etheridge who I'd been with. He was a great mentor to me. And I left a 5A job to come and, and work for nothing. Slept in my truck for the first nine days. And uh, it was pretty hot in August. <laughs> in, and uh, That's in Houston? When yeah, here you, yep. in Houston at, at the University of Houston. And then wound up, you know, getting a key to get in. And from then on, you know, you're good because you got a shower, you got everything you need, and you sleep under the office table, and and you can go from there. And I was very lucky then to to meet again, who who knew what my future was going to be, uh, with a guy named Greg Williams, who I wound up later being the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, and was a mentor of mine or a, a friend mentor all the way down the line. And uh, you know, we were two young coaches at that time. We didn't get along very good at first because. He he was he thought he was the best coach in America, and I knew I was the best coach in America, so I couldn't see how how he you know he was delusional, you know. But you know, <laughs> it was one of those kind of things. Again, as you get young, and when you're young, you know, and, and inspiring and going, uh, but it was blessing to get to be under Coach Party, and I was I mean, you talk about again a man that lived the chain of success and lived his faith, and that was that was Jack Party. So were you there during the? The good teams that you have, yeah, with Andre Ware. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, I was I was a, a grad assistant of uh, coach helping Bob Young when Andre Ware won the Heisman Trophy. He was coaching the offensive line. Uh, then uh, Jack and and uh, Coach Party and Bob and all of them went on to the Oilers. Uh, Greg Williams went on to the Oilers. I stayed there. We wound up having a great football team. We just celebrated the uh, the anniversary of it this uh, about two weeks ago against Memphis, ten and one team, and. Uh, you know, David Klinger, Jimmy Klinger, I mean, Clements. I mean, you know, the quarterbacks go on and on. We were very blessed. We were winning a lot of games. You know, that the thing that, that year, we were 10-1. and one, And if people don't remember, Colorado and uh, Texas uh, and Georgia Tech split the national title. And uh, that was Colorado's infamous fifth play, if you remember. Georgia Tech, we're 10-1, we're but we're not even bowl eligible. 
And so, you know, gosh, who knows at that time what we could have done. But it was a, I was very lucky, you know, again, to, to hit it at a great time. Uh, you know, I was under a guy named Bob Young. I, I wound up, he wound up leaving me some great football players because <laughs> let's all – let's don't kid anybody. This. you got to have guys play, play better than you can coach. I was – I laughed. I interviewed with Bobby Bowden one time, and that was his first question. He goes, what's the most important thing in college football? I said, oh, it's recruiting coach. they got to play better than I can coach. You know, there ain't no two ways about that. And so uh, – Do you like your answer? Oh, he did. He, he thought I had a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, uh, I have to tell you one story about Coach Bowden, who recently passed. I, I'm leaving the interview, and I said, Coach Bowden, he said, you have any questions for me? And uh, Well, first of all, he asked me, he goes, are you comfortable? I said, yeah, I'm fine. He goes, I'm in a suit and tie. He goes, would you wear that to work? I said, no. And he said, well, gum, take it off. <laughs> and uh, boy, he was the best guy ever, you know, great interview. And uh, I said, Coach, you didn't ask me one question about football. Same thing. It was kind of, it was a dad gum, son. Don't you think I know how to read a newspaper? <laughs> I said, yes, sir. I'm sure I do. I'm sure you do. He goes, well, every time I picked up the newspaper, University of Houston was running through people. Unless you lied on this resume, you're, you were on that staff. So I think you know football. <laughs> and, and, uh, and just, you know, a good gentleman. And, and like I said, you can see why he had so much success because, that, you know, he, he was just an easy – he was easy to talk to. And, and again, it was I, I pictured him as – I didn't work for him, but, you know, I know the success he had. He was probably a good listener. I know he was a man of faith. And like I said, that was where I was blessed again with Coach Pardee. And I've been very blessed to be around a lot of good football coaches. And that's been another blessing for me th- through my whole career is, you know, God looks out for you. You know, he's got a plan. And you got to trust the plan. And uh, I'm like anybody. Uh, you know, I have my, my days. I go, yeah, I'm not – I don't think I'm seeing it. But uh, – you know, and there's several scriptures I hang on that on that, but you know, kind of elaborate. I don't have to get too far into all those, but uh, uh, like I said, I I just know that. Like I said, I I go back to that square one. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds it. Stan in college, it looks like you coached at SMU, Oklahoma State, Valdosta State. Is that how you say that? Valdosta in Georgia. Yes. Okay. Sir. Middle Tennessee State, and then Rice. Did I did I miss any? Uh, college no, teams no, no i think that's it i think that's all of them at that point universities yeah because yeah, we already talked about houston yeah. right uh yeah i went and then i'd go back at, you know my safe haven and my fraternity is the high school coaches and because uh i have a younger son who wants to get into coaching and i said son i have no problem with that and i said you've seen it from a different light with me you know in different arenas but uh i said i want you to get your teaching certificate and i want you to understand that if you really want to coach that you really want to be a, a teacher. You really want to be a mentor. You really want to change lives. Uh, then you know you ought to be high school. Is something you ought to be involved in. But see, I was always able to go back, and because it's what you like. And I had a guy call me one time. I never forgot this. And he said, "Well, you're back. I saw you. I came through recruiting, and you were coaching at a high school. It was after University of Houston. I was at a place called Clear Lake. And uh, he said, "Man, it looked like you were having fun." I said, "Well, if the logos on your shirt is what's going to dictate your happiness, yeah, you're not going to have fun in coaching." You're not. I said, and uh, when I asked my wife to marry me, I said, hon, I, all I can promise you, she, her dad was totally against it. And uh, he said, you know, he's he's just going to move. He's modern day. I mean, he's going to be a gypsy. He's going to be all over, which I was. You know, she had her own house. She had her own car. She's a neonatal intensive care nurse. She was doing life, light, and trauma. Uh, I mean, she was, you know, she was like 28 when we got married, or 29. You know, we were not that far apart. She'd never been married. I'd never been married. I think that was the hardest part, too. We were so independent at that time. But what I knew that I had to have was somebody, like I watched my mom, if something were to happen to me, somebody had to have everything they needed, their education, their own way to make to make a living, their own way to, to raise a family if, if that was in our future, you know. And uh, 
But uh, I told her, I said, "Hun, there's only two things I can promise you as we go forward. There's two things going to change constantly in, in my profession, and that's the zeros on the checks and the logos on the shirts. And I don't know what, how that's all going to work out. And I was, and, and I was right on. <laughs> and they, were, they went up and down and, and uh, the zeros, I should say, on the checks. Uh, but again, I was very lucky, very fortunate. You got the opportunity to coach in the NFL with Tennessee and then Buffalo. Yes, sir. Can you tell us about that experience? Yes, uh, you know, I was again, uh, Greg Williams. When I when when Coach Pardee went to the Oilers, I was uh, Greg Williams and I were good friends. He went to the Oilers, and there I went to. You know, I was constantly there. You know, again, what they call today networking, <laughs> and got the chance to meet Jeff Fisher. And uh, that was a great experience. And then, you know, was around Coach Party and met a lot of the guys on the staffs, you know. And, and you start, you know, then as we would call it now, you know, back in the day, and they still do, clinicking. And so you get a chance to, you know, kind of show what you knew, uh, you know, get on the board as they talked about it. And, uh, you know, was able to meet, you know, meet Jeff Fisher that way. And then Greg wound up working with Jeff. And, uh, you know, Jeff was going to have said, you know, if something works out, I'm going to hire you, but, you know, it's going to be on defense. A lot of people never knew that. When I was in, in the NFL, I actually coached – I was a quality control with Jeff, and I coached special teams with uh, great coach there, Alan Lowry, and uh, and uh, was uh, on the defensive side of the football coaching linebackers. But most of the time when you were in high school, I was a defensive coordinator, and you flipped over and you coached the line. That's just the way we did it back in the day, you know. And Marble Falls, I'm the defensive coordinator, I'm the offensive line coach. I mean – you look, people look at you, these young coaches now would, you know, you got to be kidding me, you know. Uh, and then, you know, next thing you know, you, you flipped your hat around and you were coaching the special teams. But that's just kind of how we did it back in the day. And But you learned every aspect of it. And the other thing you know, that I always said, if, if I was ever head coach or I've never been, because Coach Pardee taught me this. You know, you want to co- you want to coach the special teams, and the reason he the wanted to do that, which I thought was in- great, was he got to meet all, he got to work with all the players on the football team that way. You know, he wasn't isolated to the offensive side or the defensive side, and you know, each one of them had probably had a part in special teams, and that way he got to experience them all and 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 you know mentor them all and and show them his coaching style and what he and plus he was a hands on guy and he learned that you know from his playing days and being with George Allen and I'll get nostalgic on you. I mean, we'll be here. We'll be talking till the world's level. But, uh, you know, but those, those were things that, again, you learned from those guys as you went through it. Pro ball was, was, was it taught me a lot. Uh, it taught me a lot about chemistry uh, on teams because I started watching here. We were at the highest level with, with multitudes of talent, but how, what was our chemistry like, you know? And uh, like I said, I can expand upon that a little bit more, but uh, it, it, you did learn the differences. Uh, like I said, I, that's not, you know, I, I, I think that this conversation in this podcast more needs to be begin towards sharing the things that are going to be appealing yeah. to people. Like I said, not dwelling on those, but you do learn. In a, in a family unit, in anything you do, and you, the chemistry is huge. And chemistry is just of, of saying, uh, you know, I'm 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 with you. You know, uh, and I, I talked about this. You and I talked about this before we started. When you tell somebody you love them, what do you what do you tell them? And I I'm telling you exactly. When I tell somebody I love them, I respect them, I believe in them, and unconditionally accept them. I respect them and I believe in them and unconditionally accept them. And I think the biggest thing I talk to people about is when you spell love, you spell it T-I-M-E. Because you got to put time into it. 
you know, you can say I love you. Are you putting time into it? Are you, are, again, are you practicing it? Are you, are, is there anything demonstrating that day in and day out? Uh, or, or is it just a token word? And again, same thing. If you, again, if I, to me, if I'm going to use a word and I don't define it, then I don't have any belief in it. Uh, and like I said, love is, is, and then like I said, telling people. If I love you and think about what, what you do as coaches, you invest time. You, you know, I look back on you invest more time into in the young people you're coaching than, than your own kids. And, and boy, those are, those are some things that can get you emotional when you look back on it, especially now that my youngins are grown, you know? Uh, but those are, that's the, again, the biggest thing you start talking about is making that investment into, into people. Uh, if, you know, if I'm running a company, uh, you know, am I, am, am, am I putting the time into to, to the people or, you know, that are going to be the most important to doing and the most of the people that are from the ground up? Uh, when I got into coaching, uh, Bobby Ethers told me something that I never forgot. He said, you make sure you treat the ladies in the cafeteria and the janitors better than you treat anybody here because, number one, they don't get the credit they're deserved. And these people right here are integral parts of our day to day what we do but you know when i was younger lot like a lot of young guys i'm like oh yeah whatever gotcha yeah okay you know and then like i said this is like my dad uh, my grandfather you're gonna start paying for water one day you know treat people like you want to be treated well you know i was a key to success uh, and that was somebody asked me one time you know how do you feel like you got from being a junior high coach in the nfl well you can outwork people and you can be resilient and you can be persevering and you can have tenacity and then you can treat people like you want to be treated and uh, and if you do those things, for the most part, things will work your way. But you got to understand, life's not fair. I mean, uh, I mean, just you know, Chris, if life was fair, you and I'd be taller and have hair. But I mean, we, you know, that's just the way life is. <laughs> we weren't dealt that hand. So, <laughs> yes, sir. No. You hear about coaches in the the professional ranks, be it baseball, basketball, football, having to be players' coaches now. Mm-hmm. Did you find that to be true in the in the pro game? that the players maybe weren't as receptive to learning and you get money involved and, and maybe changes things. What was your experience there? Yeah, my experience was you could be more of a play- – this is the way I looked at it from my short time in the NFL. I was a not-for-long guy. I think if you were in that fraternity, uh, like Jeff Fisher was, he played. A lot of people didn't know that. Uh, or Coach Pardee or Bob Young. I think if you were a guy that was in that fraternity, you had more of an ability to be a player's coach, Okay. And I came from the old school of, you know, hey, look, if I say it's Easter, we're dying eggs. You know, if I tell you rooster dip snuff, look for a tent under both wings. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you how we're going to do this and let's do it. And, uh, and, that, and I think the players can be a little more resilient to, to maybe that, that hardcore deal of, of, you know, this is how we're doing it. This is the way I want it, I want it done. Uh, you know, and, uh, and, and I think then again, just like a lot of coaches, each one has their own personality. Uh, you know, and I, I think maybe when I, especially when I was there, maybe it was pushing too hard to prove I belonged, uh, you know, and, uh, that can be a part of it. Uh, so, you know, what, the way I was maybe, uh, what I was saying and what was being heard. Uh, and I, I still believe though players coach, uh, I, I just look on the old school guys. I look at Bill Belichick, you know, I mean, and, and it, uh, or the Nick Sabans of the world. I mean, these are good men these are guys that are sending me, but they're, they're they're hands on and they're involved and there's they're and, and again my opinion I'm not worked with either one but there there's no compromising this is how we're doing it and and this is the consistency we're going to live with and that's why we're going to be consistently good 
Uh, you know, and again, I, I just watch, you watch programs. And again, I, that's why I keep going back to that consistency and a consistency. And, and again, I'm going to do everything with, with character, with class, with courage, with commitment, with conviction. Uh, you know, I'm not compromising this. Uh, and you know, those, those, those things, like I said, in the NFL, it's, uh, it was it was just, it was a different experience. I've been asked several times which level I'd like to coach at, uh, and I I think the collegiate level. Uh, not that I and I love high school level too. Don't misunderstand me, because those two levels for the reason I think you can make a bigger impression. I think you can make more of an impact, uh, and not to say that those pro players weren't. Some of them were very receptive to when we you know we talked about anything about, you know, like I said, it was it was just. You know, the day to day, when you lose a game, how do you how do you come back? You know, nothing's ever as good as it seems. Nothing's ever as bad as it seems. Somewhere in the middle, of reality falls. And uh, you know, all the whatever the little things you were that you said to keep to keep it vibrant, especially nowadays, because when you're coaching nowadays, these these young people are man, they've got so many outside. You know, there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of things. It's almost to the point you got to be entertaining and. You know, I don't have a problem with that as long as we're getting the job done. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, but uh, that was my experience. It was a, it was a good experience, but it was it was one that I again was very eye opening. And then I will I'll still say this: I learned a lot from the players because they they were that was their craft. And Coach Pardee told me that too. They want to know that you know what you're doing, and they especially at offensive line they want to know that you know how to take care of them. And that was something that Bob Young also told me too because these were these were men you know that were going. I mean you know they they're older and. And they were taking big hits, and, and they, they needed to know that you understood what they were going through and having some empathy for them is, and, and that kind of thing. So, again, very eye-opening, very blessed to have been in that environment. And, uh, and like I said, you know, just uh, you try, try to – as you, uh, you hope that everybody does, just try to take from every situation uh, the, the most positives you can take. You, you know, you can have a bad teacher and take something from it and say, okay, this is, this is something that if I'm in charge, if I'm leading people – if I'm running a company, if I'm if I'm a parent, these are some things I don't think is going to work, you know, because they did they didn't work for me, you know, and a lot of them I go back to is am I being a good listener? <laughs> what are some things that concerns you about America's youth today? I think the you're going to hear this a lot, and, and I'm stealing a phrase probably is is the the just deal of you know they just feel like okay, what's in it for me? You know, kind of deal, and not not what have I earned? Uh, uh, you know, what where am I? You know, what do I got to do to get to this goal? What what sacrifices do I have to make? Uh, you know, what how much time do I got to put in? Uh, you know, what what do I got to give? What how can I make the people around me better? Uh, without without putting my name on 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 the social media, you know, and saying, hey, this is me. Uh, you know, if I'm doing if I'm doing what I'm supposed to, then they'll they'll know who I am. And I guess let's steal the word entitlement. Uh, and it, it's tough because, again, and right now, like I said, in, in college football, uh, you know, there's you know now the deal about endorsements and all that. Okay, I don't want to get too far into that. But, you know, we're still part of a team. And I think that's hard to control chemistry with. You know, well, so-and-so's getting this, so-and-so's getting that. I think there's positives in it. But I don't know overall how, how, it, how it culminates into saying, hey, it's us, it's we. Uh, you know, we're the unit here. Uh, let's let's commit to each one another when you know when there's a, a different set, deal set for guys who are, are more talented or more blessed to be in a great in a, in a different situation or a different environment. Because we're you know we all become you know part of our environment wherever we're at. And uh, so it, it's it's the I guess I'm going to use that entitlement term that's concerning. And you know you 
how we turn that, I'm not sure. I think you, again, you just keep doing what you're, like I say, gentlemen like yourself are doing. I've been very blessed to be on some of these. And that's is you go out and you, and you say, okay, here's a guy that, that did some things uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't talented, uh, that wasn't given a whole lot. Okay, that's okay. But now how do you meet the challenges? And that's what you hope you're, that I can, there's, this reaches to a lot of young people or this reaches to somebody that's starting a company or running a company or in a marriage that's, that's having a tough situation and kind of sitting back and saying, hey, am I actually listening here? Am I being a, am I trying to am I trying to see this from another light? Uh, like I'm saying when I deliver this message, am I am I talking or am I am I trying to hear myself say give a message and try to get something established? And I think that's the hardest thing to get young people to do right now because bless their hearts, it's just hard to get them to, to almost look you in the eye and talk and have a conversation nowadays. It's just uh, that's a that's a huge challenge. There's some cliches or some sayings like don't sweat the small stuff or, or focus on real things. What would that mean to you? Uh, perfect. Uh, and you've heard it a lot. Uh, Jim Wacker, uh, you know, do your best. Don't sweat the rest. Winning will take care of itself. You know, when you I always say when those guys make those statements and they, they keep being they keep be resounding and they keep coming back. Uh, like I said, that's what you really hope comes out of some of these these talks. Like I said, is you go, God, just can't get over the guy keeps going back to going back to his, his chain of success or how you do anything or how you do everything or faith to live by self to live with purpose to live for. Well, it, it, I was established this. You better have a foundation, and if and if every, and if if you're changing that foundation, did you believe in the initial one that you that you said? Uh, that doesn't mean you don't come back every season with it, you know, a new you know new mantra or a new way of attacking it. Uh, but the foundation still better be the same, uh, you know, and, and that's again a faith to live by, self to live with, purpose to live for. Okay, well, how are we defining those? Well, I've already said faith is belief without proof. And then how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to do it through my chain of success by character and class and courage, commitment, conviction, and I'm going to be consistent and I'm going to communicate. Uh, like I said, the biggest thing, if people are listening to this, they go, wow, the guy's going to say that 1,800 times. Yes, I am, because you need to come away from this and if you spent your time listening to this, because time, what did I say how important time is? Time is, you're investing time, which is the biggest thing. I mean, you know, there's a little a poem about that. Uh, it's only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it'll give account if I abuse it. Uh, you know, time's valuable. And if somebody's investing their time and you're sharing something with you, then, man, adhere to it and understand it and understand what they're, what they're sacrificing to do that for you because those kind of things are huge. And like you said, focus, man. I mean, that that is – that's one of the things that God, you hear a ton in coaching. I mean, and, and but again, are you are you trying to uh, are you are you being fundamentally sound? Uh, you know, and I kind of define focus a little bit. You know, and focus is the F of being of fundamentals. Uh, you know, fundamentals on the deal. Uh, U is being unselfish. Uh, you know, and C is my chain of success. Uh, and O is opportunity. And then the S was kind of like success, you know, and, and defining focus. All those things that are that are going to be involved for the for that thing for focus to be a major part of it, you know. But. You said something to me yesterday when we were visiting about how coaching is the only profession where experience seems to go against you. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I'm, I'm, I guess right now I'm at a point where I, I when I got how old out, are you now, Ronnie? I'm 62. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be a, a young 63 in January, uh, and it's funny when you start to look at jobs, you know, now and you come up and and uh, you start saying, hey, you know, I'd like to get back into it. You know, I've been and I've, I've 
you know, been in the, been very blessed. I've been in the NFL. I've been in the CFL. I've been, I've been in a multitude of colleges at different levels, different, you know, I've been at high school. I've been at junior high and they go, okay, coach, that's good. Now we need to go find somebody younger. That's, or we need to find some, that's my opinion now, right now is it's almost an adversity. Uh, instead of saying, boy, this guy's got knowledge. This guy's got experience. This guy's got insight. This guy's got understanding. This guy's been through many wars. Uh, what can he bring to us? You know, what, what are the things that, 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 you know, guys that are starting out just not because they're not intelligent, not because they're not fantastic, going to be fantastic coaches, uh, but just, you know, outside of the fact they can, they can do a, a computer better than I can, what are they actually going to bring to these young people? Man, how are they going to how – how are they going to bring a chemistry to this team? How are they going to bring a consistency to this, to this team? How are we going to teach them the things that are going to make us great inside and out? And, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel right now in coaching to an, to an extent, if, if you're an older guy, it's like, okay, you're a dinosaur. Yeah, we're, we're moving on because we, we've got these guys now that, that are coaching. They are. But that's just it. They're coaching. Again, I go back to is there experience there? Is there knowledge there? Is there insight there? Is there understanding there? Uh, is there is there experiences that they can share? Uh, is there ways they can enlighten these young people to saying, hey, what it is to be in an adverse situation? Uh, you know, what it is to, to overcome? You know, uh, when we were at Rice, I mean, or with uh, Coach Bailiff, uh, I mean, we had a great run, and, and uh, I don't mind saying it on this podcast. We did things there that they'll never do again, and I'm, I'm on record. So anybody that wants to challenge me on that, that's fine. It's okay. And, I, I, uh, I got in trouble because I said that about their baseball team too. So, so. it's uh, those, 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 and and uh, but again, we uh, you know we 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 were very blessed, and uh, things worked out tremendously uh, for us there. And uh, like I said, we'll go, you know. And uh, but again, you you look at it now, and and of all the things that you, God put eyes in front of your head, instead of back. Look where you're going, not where you've been. But I've been very blessed to be in a lot of situations, and it's like doing these these things right now. That, that's where I'm looking for. To say this is my next purpose. All right, keep enlightening people, keep sharing the message. Uh, you know, I had a guy tell me Calvin Miller when I was at Oklahoma State. Uh, I, I grew up Catholic, and I had a Bible on my desk. And he said, uh, "He said, man, you need to, you need to." He said, "God's calling you, but you're not listening." And I said, "Well, Calvin, I don't know what you." He goes, "Well, you know a multitude of man. I, I listen to you. You're intelligent. You got poems. You got in, you man. You talk about all these phrases." He goes, "You need to get in this book because God's asking you to share this book." And I said, "Yeah, it's a neat." And it was a it was a Bible it had my name in gold on it, and I got it from a bowl game uh, coaching in the Blue Gray All Star game years back, and. Uh, I never forgot that, and he, you know, he said, uh, he said, I said, yeah, yeah, and, and you know, he said, I don't even think you've opened it, and I think he was right, and uh, he said, I want you to flip to a deal in there, and it was, I think it was that time, it was, uh, I want to say it was Matthew six nine six ten. Don't quote me on this, but the bottom line, I, I flipped to it, and it was the Lord's prayer. He said, see, you knew a little more of this than you thought you did. So uh, I, I just remember this conversation with Calvin again, a great mentor at that time. Still to, my, to this day, he is. He's a he's a deacon. And he was so good for young people when at Oklahoma State with him, and uh, but he uh, he talked about you know just being there and sharing God you know God's trying to use you to to get to 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 talk to people, and but you're not you're not you're not listening to him, and uh, I said Kevin I, I just don't like even reading. He goes okay, let's start here. We'll start in Proverbs, okay, and then from there we'll go to Psalms. And he did. He coached me on the Bible. And thank and thank God he did, and it got me into the Word, and you start you start understanding because again, I you know people we as a rule we become circus elephants, and here's what I mean by that, 
you know, if you ever, I don't know, people, you don't see them now. You don't have circuses as much as you used to. But you go to the circus, and here's a, here's a two-ton elephant, and they've got a chain, and they're, they're, they're attached to a little stake. Now, they can pull that stake up and go anytime they want. They don't, the elephant, all the elephants known is since they were little, they've been to that stake, and they couldn't pull it up. So they, they can't pull the stake up. That's that's what their mentality is. That's why I mean we become circus elephants. We you know I know the answers or I don't want to know the answers, uh, or you know they they're telling me stuff they don't know what they're talking about. But we we get we get chained like that. And if you don't if you don't reflect and if you don't uh, open your eyes to it, and that's why I go back to square one. The the biggest question you can ask yourself is two of them is what is my actual purpose. Uh, and would the boy I were be proud of the man I are? Was the young girl I am right now, you know, what I was, be proud of the lady I am now today? And because those are those are things that force an answer. Uh, I learned something in another FCA meeting that talked to me about how we how we how we actually cripple our children when, we, when they come home. And and I and I didn't learn this till my kids were teenagers, which at least I did get this. And the same thing from an FCA deal I was involved in, and that was. Uh, you're talking to your kids every day. Well, sure. You know, how was school? Great. How'd your day go? Good. Any homework? No. Okay. Well, good. We talked. All right. Instead of, what was the best part of your day? Well, now you forced an answer. What'd you have for lunch? Well, it doesn't make it. No, man, what'd you have for lunch? Did you like it? Did you pack your lunch? Uh, I said, what, what teacher did, what teacher made an impression on you today? What difference does it make? I'm asking a question. I, but you want a response. And that's, I thought, wow, that was, that was so enlightening to me. Because then my, the same thing, your, your kids are, and then the, now, they're, now they're almost coming home like, okay, I'm going to be asked some questions here. I mean, some relevant questions. Like, you know, uh, what part of, you know, what was the best part of your day? What's the worst class? All right, is math still your worst class? Well, you know it is. Okay. All right, so for what reasons? Well, what do you mean? What reason? I'm asking. What reasons is math still your worth class? I mean, I mean, are, are do you just like English better? Do you like history? But ask them a question to where they have to give an answer. They have to give an answer instead of giving them the option of the yes no. Especially nowadays when they can hold their phone and answer you with everything. You know, they may even text you. You know, I don't know. <laughs> no, but uh, but that that was a very enlightening deal to me because now again you forced a dialogue. And that uh, that goes back to again with me. And when you wake up, like you start out, what's my purpose? What am I doing? What am I trying to get done? And then at the end of the day, you can reflect and say, did I accomplish anything today? Did I get done what I wanted to? Because as we all know, it, just because you work hard and you do everything you can that day, things may not go your way. Uh, but that's life, you know. Uh, and I learned that, like I say, very early. And it was very blessed to learn that very early. Uh, and this, like I said, then keep on saying, well, tomorrow's a new challenge. Uh, and again, like I said, this is, I'll be, I'm being repetitive or rhetorical or redundant or whatever guys that know me for a long time. will laugh about that statement if they hear this, but they, uh, is just keep taking the word problem out of your vocabulary and just keep in certain challenge, keep in certain challenge because you'll rise to the challenge and you should rise to the challenge. I love that. I got a little tear rolling down my uh, left cheek thinking about this question but you know that's all right because great men can cry but did did you live your life thinking that your dad was looking down on you um but he was with you um and your mom too i think when i got older i did when i was younger i didn't i didn't understand it uh you know all these things that i'm saying to you know you it's like you choke up all these things that i'm saying is 
at that time, you wished you'd had somebody to – and you said, come back. I had coaches mentoring me. I did have a, a gentleman in the town. I had several people in the town I respected greatly, uh, you know, to name a few of the people in our town that were just tremendously, tremendously, tremendously helpful to us. Uh, there was a family called the Frytags. There was a family called the Shockles. There was a family called the Meagles. I mean, called. That was their last names. And obviously there's others. I sure don't want to leave anybody out there. But there were people instrumental in helping us. But – you know, I, I had a friend, Rick Moshik, who's my friend today, lifelong friend. We went from the first grade all the way through college together. And uh, I was, you know, I, I kind of listened to that deal. I used to think, man, I, I don't want his dad to think bad of me. And that was, again, that then I heard this deal. Again, a lot of these things that I say to you have all stolen from different FCA things. Because I went to him and I said, and that, that would the boy you were be proud of the man you are. And I thought, man, I don't want to let him down. I don't want to let Coach Etzel down. Because I know if I let Coach Etzel down, he's going to take me in there and, you know, he's going to tell me to go suit up. Uh, back in the day, suit up meant go put your shorts and jock on. And uh, then you were going to come in there and assume the position. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I sure didn't want to let him down. But – as I got older then, I started to understand that, uh, again, the faith was starting to come into play. Now, man, there's only one way that you're going to survive this, and that is keeping a faith and, and, you know, and just through understanding that. And then you start, I guess when my mom passed in, now I'm a senior. Now I'm older. Now I'm kind of listening to the things she was trying to tell us, even in her broken speech was hey you got to do the right thing you got to go to church got to keep believing in god you got to keep believing in god you got to keep you got to keep having a you know something to understand and then you started to say okay i'm i'm there i'm they've got to be watching me now i mean there's if you got any kind of faith at all you do you say i gotta say and i I reflected on this and the outside the lines thing there would be before games and i have to tell the story my mom when i was younger i wanted to play my ankle was messed up she goes Ball going to feed you? She couldn't talk. Ball feed you? Ball feed you? And that's what she meant. You, what do you think you're going to be? And a she pro- couldn't talk couldn't, because after her uh, yeah, after aneurysm, her, yeah. right? And yeah. she was saying, you think you're going to be a professional player? You think ball's going to make a living for you? Mm-hmm. You Are you that, you know, bless her heart, she was trying to say, you don't understand. That is not going to be what's going to be your survival. Mm-hmm. And, boy, yeah, I talk about getting emotional now. There's many days I sat there and I went, Mom, ball's feeding me. Mm-hmm. Uh, ball's feeding balls balls feeding me. And uh, you know, and I and she uh, obviously had no way of knowing and nor did I. And uh especially when I got to the NFL, there were some time or some of the college jobs, you know, it'd be before big games and I'd go, Wow, I uh, you know, uh who uh who'd have thought it? I mean, who who would <laughs> who uh, you know, it was uh my first pro game. I mean, I, I was just I missed like the first four plays of the game. I, I, I'm still almost in amazement. I said, "This is really happening." I'm, I'm never forget we're playing the the Saints. I mean, in Buffalo, when I'm the offensive line coach, I am the guy, you know. And not to say when I wasn't with the Titans, but you know, I I knew I had a role. I knew I had to, you know, which everything was important. And it, I mean, at every level, at different times, I went, "Man, this is this is really happening." This is uh, I always laugh about kind of going on a lighter part of that. I never forgot when I first got up there and I start. I got on the field and I'm coaching because you've been coaching a long time. And you get out there and you go, Whew, boy, that happened fast. That really happened fast. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are fast. But no, uh, and now especially, uh, it, it, boy, it's more resounding than ever because you, you, you just say, my, you know, my, yeah, I, I don't want to ever let you down. And I think that helped a ton, like I said, going forward then because I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Like I said, the biggest thing I could do for my brothers is not do anything stupid. 
not make a poor choice, not put us in a bad environment, not put us in a bad setting. I, I wasn't going to help them financially. I wasn't going to help them with some great mentorship. I wasn't going to help them with anything besides just, just being a part. And that's what you uh, talk about teams now, being the best part of that team you can be and doing the best you can with the, with what you have, whatever talents those are, uh, you know. And, and if part of that talent is just making sure that you're doing the right thing, then okay, then that that's your that's your talent, as you know, just like the old scout teams. And you know, we talk about I always call them the proud crowd. Man, they're the they're the ones that, that have to do the, the the grunt work, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, and but it, yeah, no, there's no two ways about it. You you think about that. We're recording this interview in my dining room, and as I was setting it up, I it dawned on me that you know, Christmas may be a sad time for you. You you lost your mom on Christmas Eve, and my wife's got these Christmas decorations and the beautiful tree. Um, as we head into the Christmas season, or we're here, what's on your heart? What's, what's your message for your family and, and, and those folks out there for this Christmas time of year? You know, embrace the moment. Embra- embrace what embrace the time that you do get with, your, with the people that you care about, uh, the people that you love, uh, and, and because it's fleeting. Uh, you know, again, as I told you, my purpose right now is when I wake up because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working as a side. You know, I do real estate right now and I do some other things and I do some motivational speaking things. But am I going to be the best dad I can be? Because my, my, my children deserve a, a, to have as great a Christmas as they can have uh, for the times that I've And, and I, I heard a great talk from a guy, Colonel Craig Flowers, and he's, he stood us great. He's one of the best speakers I've ever been around. But Again, he, he does a deal about how you only get so many Christmas trees. And, boy, when you think about that, you know, you've got some young kids now, and I look at my kids now, they're 24 and 22. How many Christmas trees are, they gonna, are we going to be able to be around? Uh, so, uh, you know, embrace, the, embrace that time with them. And, and then try to make it as – because it can be tense. You know, again, like I grew up with, and, and, you know, maybe there's not a whole lot more in the house, but can you share? Can you talk? Can you, can you break down conversation? Uh, you know, uh, my youngest son and I right now, and he's he's going through that that challenge right now of going into his next deal, and I got to be very smart about how I talk to him. You know how how I mentor him, how I give him insight. You know, uh, because again, he, you know, it's it's a touching time for him right now because he's making some big decisions, and I, I know that. You know, and uh, you want to mentor mentor him, you want to guide him, but especially right now in this Christmas season, uh, you know, we're right now we're it's it's a it's a time when. Like I said, I just think every time that you get an opportunity to let somebody know you care about them, let somebody know that they're important to you, man, express that. And I told you yesterday, I, I, I just, my biggest deal, can I make somebody laugh? And, man, I go back to the old Jimmy V statement. Man, he, what a fantastic speech he gave. Them, one of the greatest ever. And, that, you know, if you, can, if you can laugh in a day and you can cry in a day and, you know, you can give thanks in a day, I mean, what a great, great experience it is. Uh, and, you know, that's the old deal, too. It's, nobody controls your heart, mind, and soul. You know, you do. You control that. Okay, they can they can tell you anything you want, but you control those factors. So you can control, you know, the deals about about how, how exuberant you are, how excited you are, how how enthusiastic you are. You know how well. Again, we go back to coaching. How about you execute? Well, what's execution? Like I said again, am I am I saying I love you? Or am I writing it on a note? Or am I demonstrating that I love you? You know, and am I saying, hey, you know what? You know, whatever it is that I can get done, and, it, and that gift may just simply be in, being there because. I've missed a few Christmas trees being at some bowls, 
Uh, you know, wow, I'm at a bowl game. Or we were all at a bowl game, but we were there with a bunch of families. Uh, and it was a blessing to be there. <laughs> but, you know, uh, like I said, now I look back on it, and boy, what a, what a great statement. You only have so many Christmas trees with, with your family. And I think that was a real telling statement. That's, that brought that one to mind for me. I know a challenge, to use your word, that some dads have today or parents is you want to spoil your kids. It, it's fun to, yeah. to give them nice things and see them get excited but you also want them to work hard and realize that they need to go out on their own and earn something. Right. How did you balance that with your boys? I think the biggest thing, they were, they were given a lot, obviously a lot more than I ever had. Uh, and I tried to use the term about, are you taking care of it? Uh, do you care about it? Uh, and, and I tried to, and that was, again, I was very blessed to hear a guy talk about this at an FCA meeting. I bet, like I said, when you go to the, our Bible studies, you know, they were saying, hey, you know what, you can, you can be given something, but now can you take care of it? And started to, to use the old deal, and I never forgot this. You know, we, we were talking about my, my sons wanted a, a dog. And I said, I don't think y'all understand the, the principle of a dog. And so I brought it to them in the fact of a, a lesson I learned when I was still teaching in high school. And I learned it from a home ec teacher at one of the high schools I was teaching. I was in Marble Falls. And she had the students carry around an egg. And, you know, the egg was representing a child. And they had to take care of it because, I mean, they couldn't set it down, the chance of getting broke, the chance of losing it, the chance, you know, the egg. And it was just, I never forgot that lesson, you know. And I talked to him. I said, y'all don't understand this dog is going to be dependent on, uh, you know, that's just, he'll, he'll give you as much love as you want. They're, they're unconditional that way. <laughs> but but now, can, you know, are you going to take care of it? Are you going to watch? You know, because mom and dad are going to be working, you know, and things are going to be happening. And. Uh, you know, you can't you can't just go on and just hope this is all going to work out. And I think with different things like, you know, when and I said my biggest deal when they started to get cars, I said, I'll help you. Uh, you're paying your own insurance. You know, you'll pay your own gas. Uh, I'll match what you've saved in your savings to, to pay to pay for it. Uh, but and that was you know, that's but that's going to be your first big ownership. You know, I said, and, and I even told, told him, I said, and if I can break, if I can reflect on it on how you've handled some of the toys I've given you, I don't know if this car is going to last till next year. But <laughs> that, and, but I think that's another thing is watch what you've given them and, and then watch how they cherish it, take care of it or appreciate it. Maybe another way to describe it. And I think that's the biggest thing you can do because, yeah, you do. You want you want them to have more than you had. There's no two ways about that. But now, how are you, how are you going to accept it? And that more no different than than when we accept the responsibility. You know, those of us who are teachers. You know, you go to James the scripture. I, I know I, I can skip off into that a lot. But James three one. Those of us who are teachers are held to a higher standard because uh, that that will add to to those that much is given, much is expected. And kind of using those kind of phrases with them as saying, hey, you've now been given some gifts, and uh, and and I'm going to base the next gifts on. How I see you treat these, you know, and uh, tried to do it from that standpoint. You know, like my youngest son would say, yeah, Dad, you run everything like a military base. Well, no, I'm going to run everything like it's right and wrong, and it's it's no gray area. You know, there's there's a way to do it, and there's a way not to do it. And anything in between starts the sentence with well. And I always, I always laugh. People that know me that say, they go, uh, if you start talking to Ron and you start the sentence with well, he says, well, you've got a disclaimer going on because <laughs> – you know, you answer a simple question. Well, well, no, I'm just, just give me an answer. Mm -hmm. Don't start with well. Let's don't first start figuring out a disclaimer here. Let's just, just tell me exactly what we're, where we're headed. So, but I think that is the, watching the appreciation of it. Well, Ronnie, let me go back. I said, well. 
<laughs> Ronnie, you're a special man. Thank you for spending time with us, which is precious. You're right about that. Thank you for sharing your message, your story, your triumphs over your tragedy. You're a man of grit. Thank you. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you more than you know. God bless. Guys, he's a lot like nails. He plays like nails. He's tough as nails. He likes to call himself. I saw a way.